Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Rowe and Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We're going to take a close look at all the major incidents in the British and Irish Lions second test defeat to South Africa this week and of course focus on the epic deciding third test and what changes Warren Gatlin may make. Plus, we'll be joined by former Springboks Skulk Brits to get his take on Russie's video, what it was like pitch side and what he thinks is going to happen in the final test. So settle back, enjoy... And make sure you're subscribed to Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. How's your week been, lads? Oh, up and down, boys, up and down. It's been a hell of a week, actually, for some good reasons and some bad reasons. Go the good reasons and then the bad. The good reason, well, we did the, the Rugby Pass Fan Zone Live on Thursday night, and I absolutely dominated the press-up challenge. Some Couldn't believe it. Some wannabe fat Owen Farrell comes up to me. He's like, oh, take Goody on the press-up challenge. I just schooled him. Literally, I was taking him. We got to 26, and I'm just looking at him going, come on, son, keep going. I'll be honest with you, Andrew. I did not have you down as a man that could press up. But looking back through your medical history, your shoulders have been all right. I've had a shoulder reconstruction. All right. Well, I've had four. I ain't moaning. Jesus, <laughs> Andrew. And I mean, how many press-ups did you do? Was it 28, was it? No, oh, I stopped at 30, but I could have kept going. That's the thing. You could. When was the last time you've done a press-up? Uh, I think we did a challenge in... Didn't we do a challenge in lockdown? Yeah, actually, you could be right. I mean, have you got history of doing press-ups or not? Is that like is that an exercise that you would be like, I'm strong? Like Obviously, obviously eating's one. Tweeting's yeah. another. Yeah. Drinking, yeah. Drinking, smoking. I mean, is, is press-ups <laughs> is press-ups in that or not? Would you, would you say, like, to the girls, your dad's good at press-ups? No, I wouldn't, James. But yeah, it was, um, it was an interesting week. Started off... And we rewind a, a week and I, we were chatting on the podcast and I was talking about kidney stones and I, I said on here that I had kidney stones and the pain was, it was unbearable at times. So eventually on Wednesday, I go and see a, a specialist, a urologist. And I said, listen, I feel like not only I'm being stabbed in the back, but I'm also having my right testicle trampled on 24 hours a day, which can't be nice. Sucked or trampled? What did you say? Trampled on? <laughs> trampled on, yes, James. Um, and the pain was at times unbearable and he said right we'll put you in for a cat scan is that where they scan cats do they they scan cats makes James, sense yeah. makes yeah. sense so I, I took the cat and the cat got scanned as well <laughs> <laughs> and anyway so he said just hang around and we'll go through uh, the pictures and see how bad it is he's called me into his office after he's looked at the the cat scan now get this line right andrew now don't lie on this line get it right what line the gastric band split it is. It had nothing to do with the kidney. Yes or no? 
No, there's no gastric band, James, as you know. And I've got in to see him and he's like, how have you not gone to A&E over the last five days? I said, what do you mean? He goes, you've got a 20 millimeter kidney stone that has gone out your kidney and into your urethra and it's blocked. Yeah, but a millimeter is tiny. I'm like, 20, 20 millimeters is tiny. I'm like, that's not big, mate. That's nothing. He's like, honestly, you. I'm so shocked you haven't gone to A&E with the pain you'd have been. And I said, listen, I work week in, week out with one of the hardest to have ever done it. He may say it himself. His uncle Hamish may say it as well. But he claims to be one of the hardest to have ever played the game, one of the hardest Who's ever podcasters. And I, that's what I said to him. And he said, Who is it? And I said, Well, he's a Scottish, ex Scottish rugby player, played for Saracens as well. He's like, Oh, uh, Scott Murray. I said, No, 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 not what? Scott Murray. What? I said, I Have another guess. He's like, Tim Swinson. I said, No, no, not Tim Swinson. I said, I'll give you one more guess. He's like, I'm all out of Scottish second rows hard lads that play for Saracens in Scotland. I was like, Jim Hamilton. He looked at me and went, Who? Ah, oh, the hero. I said, Big Jim, the legend. Him and his uncle Hamish said he was the best and the hardest to ever do it. And um, yeah, he didn't know who you were, Jim, to be honest. But uh, yeah, he said, look, I need you in for an operation tomorrow. But I said, no, 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 no. I can't do it, pal. pal. I've got the Rugby Pass Fan Zone Live at Harpenden Rugby Club on Thursday evening where it transpires that I had to dominate someone in a physical activity. And he told me, don't do anything too strenuous. You know, be careful. He gave me some suppositories to put up the rear end just in case the pain got too unbearable. But I didn't use them. Well, I, I put one up before the show because I couldn't have it passing <laughs> out on me. So I did enjoy it. And then uh, I just dominated that geezer on the, the press-up challenge and then went in for surgery on Friday and had the kidney stone removed. They've left a stint in. Uh, so I've got another operation in a couple of weeks. But more importantly, I understand now what it's like to be a woman. And I don't say that lightly, right? Andrew, because- you've been wearing a bra for 10 years. I know you do. <laughs> I understand. So my missus obviously has had twins. You know, you speak to, I speak to the nanny. My nanny's got children. Um, and women, I don't know if it's the same for, for your Mrs. Jim, but they're always moaning that they need the bathroom. So we'll get in the car. Mrs. like, I need the loo. We have to pull over somewhere. She has to. This is all true. I agree. Right. We're agreeing now. I'm, I'm, I'm sat there going, we just left the house and you've done a wee. I can't go at the minute more than 10 or 15 minutes without thinking I'm desperate for the toilet. So uh, it's been a tough week. I watched the game in hospital. You know, I don't want people to feel sorry for me. I couldn't be down the pub with all the lads, 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 like Jim was. Watched the test match in hospital, came out late Saturday evening and, uh, you know, grafted through and I'm back on the pod on a Monday. So, um, Andrew, can I just, I'm not even going to tell you about my week because yours has been that eventful that I just want to stick on that. Cause, because Thursday, the way that I'm seeing this unfold now, if you're saying it as bad as it is, and if it's 20 millimetres, that sounds small. You've gone for a cat meow scan, and it, you sent me the picture. And my goodness me, I thought that they were your bollocks inside, but it turns out it was your stomach. <laughs> he sent me a picture. Of the, he sent me a picture of the cat scan. I was like, "What is that round thing?" Turns out, it's its stomach is the size of a basketball. But <laughs> on Thursday, you've turned up with a Marlboro Light in hand and two bags of beef Walker's Chris in the other hand, and you've drank two or three pints. You said they were shandy, irrelevant. And you've done 28 press-ups, you're sweating 30. profusely, you've done 30, and all that time, you should have been in hospital. You are one of the most professional <laughs> humans I know. <laughs> I just couldn't pull out on you, Jim. I'm here for you 24-7, whenever you need me, apart from when I've got the kidney stone taken out again in a couple of weeks. I'm there for you, James. From one professional to another, Rusty Rasmus, what do you make of his 62-minute uh, his video? Loved it. I'm I'm loving all this drama. I'll be honest with you. And Andrew, without speaking for you, you made a great point. And I'm going to put it out to the masses, Andrew. And you can say no comment on this. Go on. Goody's been messaging with Razzy. We were trying to get him on. <laughs> we were trying to get him on the podcast. Obviously, he wouldn't come on. He, he's changed his tack this week. 
off the back of Goody, not supporting him, but saying, and this is Goody's line, and this is where it's come from, as in there's many forms of media. There's written media. There's obviously interviews, video media, podcast media. He's using a media that is available to him for free. There's no rules or regulations around him using that media. There might be around what he said. I don't really know. I've not looked at any law books or whatever, but we will see. But Andrew made a really good point, and that encouraged Razzy. What's nice is that he sees it. And to message Goody, and they've been... I, I'm jealous. Andrew, you, can you say that you've been messaging the fourth best coach in the world or not? <laughs> well, I'd say he's the best coach in the world, isn't he? Because he's the World Cup winning coach. But No, Scott Robertson's the, the best one. And then Mike Brewer, and then Michael Hamish, who coaches local uh, junior club in Edinburgh, because <laughs> he said I was one of the best. And then Razzy. No, listen, I did a piece for Rugby Pass on it and I said, you know what? It, it is another form of media, isn't it? So there's all this moaning around, oh, Razzy. The only thing I'd say about it, Razzy, 62 minutes, a little bit too long. I mean, I was laid up in bed with kidney stones. So I had plenty of time to to go through it bit by bit, minute by minute. But 62 minutes, it was long. So I may, I'd have edited it down a little bit, but you know, I, I get his sentiment, right? They're, they're in a test series where... Warren Gatland has come out the week before and absolutely gone wild about the fact that Marius Jonker was named as TMO. And in Razzie's mind, he feels the Lions got a perceived advantage by that in a roundabout way where some of the decisions, rightly or wrongly, went against the Springboks in the first test and went in favour of the British and Irish Lions. And whether it was conscious or subconscious, no one knows. But he's taken it upon himself to change the the dimension of, of what's being discussed control the narrative of the week to say, listen, the, the Springboks were hard done by, because they were. Is it the right channel to go down World Rugby? Well, you know, let's just put it out there. And I, I, I did the piece of Rugby Pass and I said that I found it educational and I quite enjoyed it. And people said, oh, if Eddie Jones had done that, you'd have gone mad. I said, well, no, Eddie Jones said when Ben O'Keefe refereed England against Wales a couple of years ago that it was like 16 against 13 at times. Now, Razzie didn't go that hard at the referee. He just spelt out where he felt there was a lack of respect for Sir Khaleesi, but also all the components of what could have been and should have been penalties or um, decisions going in South Africa's favour. And, um, you know, I don't have a problem with it. If coaches, you know, a lot of coaches go, I wouldn't do that. Well, fine, you don't have to do it. But Razzie wanted to do it. He changed the kind of dynamic of the conversation that week. Um, things went for the spring box and let's make no bones about it. We're going to discuss them on here. Some horrific decisions for me from the referees and the TMO. You know, Ches and Colby, it's a straight red card every day of the week for the tackle in the air of Conor Murray. But also, he's tackled about 10 minutes before that on Tom Curry when he, he faced, planted him. It wasn't even looked at properly. So there's loads of discussion points, but things went in favour of the Springboks this week. And I, I said, you know, Razzie will either come out with egg on his face because it won't matter and the Springboks will lose and yeah, he'll just it'll look like sour grapes or it'll be a stroke of genius. And he's got his team back into a mindset where they're now levelling the series. That second half was so dominant physically that they are ahead of the Lions in terms of... Um, you know, the stakes now, I know it's one all, but in terms of momentum, they're way ahead of where the Lions are. And a lot of that is to do with him changing the dynamic of the conversation. And he me- he messaged me and just, just obviously he was getting hammered left, right and centre for it from people. He sent me a message, you know, just saying thank you for being level-headed with it all because obviously people lost their heads left, right and centre. My big question is, did he ask for me when he messaged you or not? No, he didn't, Jim. No, he didn't. He didn't. But, and I think, but, but what, he's coming on the podcast because I'll I put that on social. He did say he'll come on, just not during the series. Well, 
I'm not too sure. My worry is, is because I'm a little bit different to yours, Andrew. I did tweet that I thought it sounded a little bit bitter. Now, we are going over old ground and we're paying a lot of lip service to something that is old ground now because there's so much to talk about. So I felt it came across as a little bit bitter. And I also love the fact that he said that it wasn't on Springbok time. It was in his spare time, but he was wearing a Springbok jersey. But it must have been (laughs) in his spare time because there was no edit done. My big thing around it, and this probably leads us into the second test, is there is a huge, humongous, is there a bigger word than humongous, gymongous, gulf between... Yeah, whatever that is. Juggernormous, whatever. (laughs) Juggasaurus. Whatever it is, there's something wrong with the referees in terms of the quality now I don't know whether it's because the game is so difficult to consume in terms of there's loads going on loads went on in that match obviously Razzy put it out there on social we saw it we were talking about it last week this week you could arguably say there was a load more stuff Mm -hmm. I don't know how tech savvy Gats is whether or not he'd be able to produce a video in his spare time, whether he'd want to. I doubt he'd want to. With his top off or not? I would doubt it, no, unless he wants to rest <laughs> the others on the table. I don't know how that would work. But I can't believe how many things are happening in the game. And it shows that there's a big issue in rugby at the minute about the quality of the referees, whether or not the quality isn't good enough or whether the rules and the laws aren't clear enough. I don't know what it is. It's tough. And I think one of the things that a few people have missed and you go back a couple of weeks, I was lying on the sun lounger in Mallorca, sweating, kids are in the pool and I'm playing my phone on the sun lounger and I've seen the clip from Australia against France, Corribietti flying out in the fourth minute, smacks Gelanche and people think he was hit him in the face. That's where Gelanche has gone down, holding his face like he's trying to win an Oscar. And it, they've gone through the review process. He felt there was shoulder to head contact, sent him off. Day or so later, that red card gets rescinded. Luckily for Australia, they win the test. So is that in the back of Ben O'Keefe's mind as well? The fact that World Rugby have then rescinded the red card and made him look like a bit of a plonker for giving the red card in the first place as to why some of his decisions is he second guessing them in his own head? Is he thinking actually the Chesney Colby one? I'm going to just yellow card that because I don't want that to be a decisive factor early in the first half of a test when I've given a red card a few weeks ago, and that got turned over. And you know, if the Lions go on to to win this second game, imagine Razzie's video. You just don't know whether these things are going through his head, and that's the position he's been put in a little bit around world rugby and having that. Corribietti red card rescinded and you know, Colby that's a red card every day of the week but in his discussion around it he said he lands on his back well if his back's part of his face <laughs> then fair enough he's landed on his back but he's landed hand first trying to stop the fall and then face first so um, it, it's very tough to referee I think the players have got responsibility you know the likes of Etzabeth and these boys a lot of shirt grabbing Maratoji equally as guilty if not as guilty as anyone else um, you know, we saw what happened with Damien Dialande and all that stuff. So it is hard to ref, but I just think you think of someone like Wayne Barnes in control there. Do you see a different game? Speaking of the niggle, let's talk about the on-field, the the, the second test. How much of a psychopath is even Itzvith when he's like smiling at every single, every single fisticuffs or shirt pulling? Before you say it, Jim, you wouldn't even flinch, right? Well, he weren't smiling at me. That's all I know. <laughs> Um, it's almost like it's just a waste of time, but I love it. 
I'll be honest, I've taken a bit of heat on social. I loved the game at the weekend. For whatever reason, it brought me back to who I used to be. <laughs> Just a shirt-grabbing, filthy animal. <laughs> like, I, I loved it. You know, I did, but that's ultimately comes down again to the referees and everything and the build-up and the way that South Africa play. Like, there was so much going on, on and off the ball. You know, we mentioned Chess and Colby. I'm sure we'll get, on, get into it. I don't think it was a, a red card, Goody. Really? Because Explain to me how it's not a red card then. It, he's looking at the ball the whole way. Doesn't matter. So I'm looking at Colby and he isn't a dirty player, albeit he made a, a high tackle before. Similar to Faftaclip, they're not dirty players. They're players that are small and physical. Look at the way that Colby competes for the high ball. He's one of the best players ever to have played for the ball in the air. I know, but it doesn't matter who you are. No, no, but I'm building up. I'm building up in terms of like where my thought process is. And then Colby, I think he wants to jump. I think he would normally jump, but because Bigger's in front of him as a kind of block and he's got his eyes on the ball, he probably thinks he's under the ball. Do you know what I mean? So I, I know what you're saying. I've seen loads of decisions gone by where that is straight away red. The player's almost walking off the pitch because he knows it's a red. But I just think the way he didn't land on his head, and I know he didn't land on his head because he put his arm out, so therefore... I, I think if he got a red card, it would have been extremely harsh. I could see why he would have got a red card. So did you play in the game Ulster versus Saracens a few years ago? Jared Payne, red carded for Alex Alex Good. No, I didn't. I was on the bench. Oh, on bench. Um, oh, shit. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, I, was, I, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> you knew that I weren't playing. No, I, I, I just presumed, to be honest. <laughs> Let's be fair. Um, so it doesn't. first and foremost, it doesn't matter who it is. They changed after that, though. They changed. Like That's when they were going hard out on players being taken out of the air. And if you look what they've done, they've loosened that. What they've done is they've lo- they've said there's a contest in the air. So Cheslin Colby hasn't got off the deck. So he hasn't tried to compete in the air. Conor Murray has gone and owned that space. And the, when you're chasing a kick or when you're receiving a kick, you have to have a conscious understanding of what else and who else is around. So you can't just run after the ball and look at it and just say, oh, I had my eyes on the ball the whole time, ref. That, there's nothing in the law that states that's a mitigating circumstance. If Chester Colby had gone up and jumped in the air and he'd have been underneath Conor Murray and there was a collision in the air, but they're both actually competing for the ball then it's a different story. Chesney Colby has just ran and not even thought about the dangers of what he's putting in front of the player who's going for the ball. So he's come down and okay, he breaks his fall by putting his hand down, but then he lands on his face. So I don't think there's any consequence or mitigating circumstances. The fact that he's put his hand down, he's trying to look after his own safety there, Conor Murray. Facts are, he's got up in the air, Chesney Colby's come, he's had no appreciation that, that there's someone up above him. He's had no kind of look away from the ball, which is part of what they're coached now. You have to have a whole 360 peripheral vision of what's around you. And yes, you've got to get off the deck to compete for it. And you do sometimes say it's a rugby collision in the air, but not when you're taking the legs from underneath someone that's jumping and they land face first into the mud. So why is he not given a red card then? I think he got lost in the fact that he was thinking about you know, looking at the afters and then he hasn't really reviewed it properly. And Maris Yonker, who's the TMO, after the pressure that he was put under from Warren Gatton the week before, he's second guessing his decisions. And then the pressure that Razzy Erasmus has put back on him in the second week before the test, he's thinking, oh, a yellow card, let's just have a yellow card and get on, and get on with it. Whereas you still have to have the bottle to make the decision that is right for the good of the game and what 
Premiership referees are refing. Top 14. If that's a league game in any league in the world, it's a red card. Not in France, mate. Well, maybe In the in top France. 14, that is probably like play on, play on. It's, yeah, it's probably a penalty against Conor Murray for diving or something but <laughs> in the top 14. <laughs> but I think Elliot Daly got sent off a couple of years ago for England against Argentina for something very similar. And you sat there going, where's the consistency? And World Rugby, and I'm sorry... World Rugby sit behind this banner of We Are World Rugby. What do they do? They do content now, Andrew. They do content. <laughs> but are they accountable for anything? You know, where's this fucking world season that was going to be talked about where we were going to align everything? You know. I love this drama. I'm loving it, I'll be honest. But I love it. But what it does, it allows everyone to have different opinions. And here's me and you, Jim. Jim, like one week you're crying for red cards. Next week you're like, no, nah, I don't want to see a red card. Who's <laughs> crying for a red card? <laughs> and everyone's like, I'm just trying to be consistent. That's been a red card for years. There are plenty of controversial incidents throughout the whole game, including the footage of Stuart Hogg allegedly biting Willie the Roo. But the siding officer only flagged one thing, and that was the biting charge involving Carl Sinclair. Did you guys notice that? Who's biting who is all I'm saying. Hoggy, the poor lad's getting Who's biting? Open. <laughs> Who's biting who? Who's biting who? Who's biting Willie Lapoo? No one. Um, you know, there's a still frame that's going round. I don't know. All this drama. I've known Hoggy for years. I mean, he's a hangman and I don't imagine him eating anyone. I know no, I know no one in the game that would want to eat him. Um, that's for sure. <laughs> so thankfully, he's not been cited from a personal point of view. Did not see Carl Sinclair, but he's been cited. If you've been cited, there's something there. And I, I, I can't see anything. I've gone through the archives. I go through the archives. It's very different to my good mate Andy Goo going through the archives. He can always find things in the archives. Andrew, have you got anything? Well, I mean, Hoggy's one is it's quite interesting. Hoggy's one, obviously, you know, a camera angle can make it supposedly look like he's bitten him. I don't think he did. Obviously, there was a statement from the British and Irish Lions that came out on Sunday evening from Hoggy. Billy LaRue hasn't come out and said he bit me. So, you know, I think that one's parked. The interesting one is obviously Carl Sinclair. Now, you can't really see anything in it in terms of a bite. What you can see is Mostert's arm in clearing out. Carl Sinclair is across his face. And Mostert goes to Khaleesi and says, I've been bitten. Khaleesi goes to Ben O'Keefe and says, Mostert's been bitten on the floor. There's only Carl Sinclair in that ruck. And he shows, apparently, Mostert shows Ben O'Keefe and talks to him about the bite, and Ben O'Keefe says, nothing I can do about it now. If there's no angle, it's for later on, and we'll deal with it later down the line. So, ugh, to be cited, there has to be enough evidence to show that that should have been a red card. And from what I believe, the citing officer has got more angles than what we've been privy to off the sometimes pretty poor angles that we've been sent from South Africa via Sky Sports. Pretty poor. Well, I'm I'm, I'm trying Awful. to be nice, Jim. Yeah. Some of them are shocking. And I, I sincerely hope it hasn't happened. Of course I do. But if he is found guilty of biting and there's evidence, then, you know, a long ban's coming and it, it's crazy. And you think back to the tears of the interview when, you know, he didn't get selected and then the great feeling around him then getting selected off the back of Andrew Porter's injury to then go and bite someone in the second test if you have done that. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? Talk to me about... Friend of the show, Fefta Clerk's uh, tackle on Connor Murray. Was he lucky or unlucky? Or was he lucky not to be recarded? No. I thought he was all right. He's lucky in, in terms of if he's gone any higher, yeah. then he's going, to be, he's going to be sent off. But like that's the thing with these guys, Goody, isn't it? Like they're, they're risking it themselves. Like you said, he's lucky that it wasn't an inch higher. 
because if it's an inch higher, it's on his chin, it's a red. You know, same thing for Mako Vinopola, first tackle of the game. Etzebes taking it into contact. Mako's very upright. Um, belts him right on the shoulder, close to the neck. And again, not a lot of people have said anything about that one. It could have been a yellow card or a red card. The one for me that hardly anyone was talking about, Duan van der Merwe in that first half. On Steph the, de Toy. Well, the tackle on Steph, Peter Steph de Toy, he's, he's hoiked a leg up and he's lifted him above the horizontal and then he's dropped him on his back. Letter of the law, that's a yellow card. Doesn't even get looked at. And then the other one, and I don't know where his head's got here, but the yellow card that he got for tripping Cheslin Colby, I'm looking at that. He's leathered him as hard as he can and it's not even close to kicking the ball. The ball isn't even bouncing at that point. I'm saying that's a straight kick and it could have been a red card. You should be a sighter. You should be a sighter. Imagine you being a TMO. You'd make millions, like because you'd be the you'd be the go at. Mate, the biscuit tin would get absolutely hammered, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be the worry. And then there was Marrow's knee. It's not a great look, is it? The weird thing around Marrow's knee, in my opinion, is it's unlike Marrow. So you're wondering whether him getting marched back by Ebenezer Beth with that giant bicep has riled him. You don't know what's been said. There's obviously a lot of stuff going on. I mean, is I can it, speak it, Afrikaans. It, I don't is think it he can. Marrow, though? That is, I think, like putting a knee on the face of someone. Yes, I think it is a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but holding him. The, the, the whole grappling and holding boys back and pinning boys down—that's that's him to, down to a T. He's just taking it to another level. Yeah, exactly. He's taking it to another level because I think he's pro- probably lost his head as well. Like a number of people lost their head in that game. Clearly, do you know what I mean? You could see people losing their shit mm. who you might say would not normally lose their shit. Imagine what the bench was doing. Mm. So these things that are going on off the ball and the grabbing and. I'm going to say the dark arts, not that Marrow's thing is a dark art, but I quite like, for me, that's kind of like you're drawn into that against South Africa. It's like, right, if you're going to fucking pin me down, if you're going to put your, your knee on my head or on my chest or whatever, you're going to grab me or whatever, or pull me out down by the hair or pull me down by the scrum cap or whatever, then I'm doing it to you. And I suppose yeah. that Marrow's looked uncomfortable and looked awkward Maybe because he doesn't do stuff like that and it looks kind of out of sync. But I agree, it was wrong, mate. You can't knee on people's throats, can you? No. And, I, I, you know, then the theatrics afterwards when obviously Diolande gets up and shoves him and then Marrow's got his hands in the air diving. But that is, I think a lot of that balls, again, back down to the referee and how if he stamps that stuff out early, you ain't getting that. Lost complete control uh, yeah. of it. That was the thing. We should probably talk about tactics, shouldn't we? And what the Lions got right and wrong. Dan Bigger only made three passes in the game. Was that sort of a, a sign of, of the Lions getting it wrong, Goody? I think it's a bit of everything, really. Um, in reality, they won that first test by winning the aerial battle. They had solidity at set-piece. Um, and, you know, when they made the change in the first test and Mako came on, you know, we got the driving line out try and South Africa's discipline went, didn't it? So we win the aerial battle, the kicking game. And then it was a flip reversal, wasn't it, in the second test where they dominated the aerial space. We were given penalties away. And so tactically, you think, well, we actually won the first test by being better at those skills than the Springboks. And in the second test, the Springboks took us to the cleaners in that skill set. We know, and the big decision for Gats now is understanding how he can win this third test because the Springboks are just going to come again with exactly how they play. They're not going to rewrite their game plan or anything like that they're just going to continually try and do it better which they did in the second half you know they bring Luke Diaga on who's chopped off his mullet and you know they were ridiculous at set piece and 
you know, the kick chase and the, and the, the kick compete, etc., etc. But that's where the Lions won the first test with a bit of tempo. What we couldn't create was any tempo. Our, our set piece was abysmal at times, let's be honest. We couldn't win a line out. You know, Scrum got annihilated, especially when Trevor Nayakani comes on with the longest, pinkest tongue you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and, you know, it was... If you can't get parity in those areas against the Springboks, which we did in the first test, then you have to go somewhere else to win the game. And we didn't have that ability to change it. And we didn't get enough front football. There was a couple of moments in the second half, I think, when we started putting a few phases together, but then an error came. And so we just couldn't get momentum. And, and you know, does Gats throw the sort of the baby out with the bathwater this weekend and change everything up and pick someone like Finn Russell at 10 and, and go full attacking mindset? Or does he go, you know, we need to tighten up on the errors that we made because a coach can't really compensate in the week for those errors that are going to happen at the weekend. So all the high ball stuff that we were good at week one, we were abysmal at week two. So Van der Merwe, Anthony Watson, Hoggy, they all dropped high balls. Whereas the week before we dominated that space and that area, which you know allowed us to get a stronger foothold in the game, get territory. They were losing their composure and, and giving away penalties. And, you know, the big decision for, for Gats now is what does he do? Does he go full-blown attack? Does he try and improve those areas by picking Liam Williams, by picking Josh Adams, which he didn't need to in the first test. We won it. Went with the same guys in the second test in that area and then they didn't perform. So do we act as a coach and drop them or, you know, do, do you try and change the game plan completely? And their decisions that Gats is the best probably in the world at over time, historically, you look at four years ago, the Lions in New Zealand, we got absolutely hosed in that first test. And then we come back and we draw the series by Gats making a few subtle changes in in how the, the team play. But if we rock up and think that we can perform and, you know, try and out-muscle South Africa in the third test, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice, especially because Dwayne Vermeulen might be back as well. To me, it looked like a carbon copy of the final uh, from the World Cup, didn't it? I know you don't want to mm. draw resemblances from a match that happened two years ago but it's one of them where if it was closer I'd feel better going to the third test but like Goody said they got absolutely hosed in that second half and that's the worry is like how do you come back from that and I'm sure we'll talk about selection is like who can you bring in do you know what I mean can you bring in Sam Simmons for Jack Cohen and say to Sam Simmons mate you've got to have the biggest game you've ever had in your life ever in terms of running physically and, and doing all these things, do you rip it up? Like, do you bring Finn Russell in? He ain't played in how many weeks? And he's got to go come in and have his Marcus best Smith. game. Well, I, I could see a Marcus Smith playing. I really could. You know what I mean? Do, like, you play the, the the second test as defensively as they did. Chris Harris, unbelievable tackle first up. But you look at the way that they wanted to play. Everyone who played well in that first test and we were talking about didn't play well in that second test. They got absolutely hammered. The bench that came on for South Africa was so much better than the bench that came on for the Lions. So I think the Lions can win the third test, but my goodness me, South Africa, off the back of that second half, they looked unplayable. It's like, how do you play against that? How do the Lions get momentum? Do they throw everything at it, like you said? I think this is, yeah, the the most interesting selection, I think, of Warren Gatland's British and Irish Lions tenure. Quote me. And I I think the other thing on it, Jim, is actually tactically... You, know, you say, uh, you know, how do you get through these holes? How do you? We didn't put any deception on the ball at all, did we? So there was no, like you said, Dan Biggers made three passes in the whole game. You know, there's no playing off 12. There's no, you know, short runners playing out the back and then looking for an edge to attack on. We didn't have that sort of cohesion or composure at all in 
the test series so far, apart from about 10 minutes in that first test. And Ali Price brought some real energy to the attack. Um, you know, uh, Courtney Laws makes a break off the bouncing ball. So there was none of that at the weekend. And it was as if we were just trying, you know, got to half time, nine, six up, and, you know, it was just trying to control it. But then the spring box exploded, didn't they? And, you know, the changes they made, the power that they brought on, the errors that the British and Irish line started making under the pressure from the spring box. Oh, I don't know. I just think you've got to change tactically and look to attack a bit more. Um, if you go into this kicking battle and a set piece battle, we ain't winning it. Well, we can get a South African point of view now with 2019 World Cup winning Springbok. Scott Bricks joins us. How are you, mate? I'm fantastic, thank you. Scholar, are you fantastic? Like, how happy are you? I, I mean, you're always happy. Were you happy after the first test or are you happier now because you and your team that you love so much won the second test? Or are you just happy in general? Um, Jim, where we are quite different. Winning and losing influence your personality. Where winning and losing was just part of life for me, Jim. And for me now <laughs> seeing you without a lot of hair and that hair thinning out is actually such a <laughs> it's so nice to see. That's why you're happy. That's the reason why, because it's my demise. No, it's just good seeing you guys again. And how is life over there, mate? Obviously retired now, you're in the media, doing really well with Channel 4 and that stuff. Um, you know, the big boys are on the touchline, aren't they? There's you, Brian Habana. I saw Scout Burger, I saw Victor Matfield as well. You are loving life in retirement, aren't you? That smile is still beaming. No, it's actually, I had to ask permission. So, I'm, I'm, Andy, I'm trying to do the corporate thing. And that's quite different to uh, my normal day job. Um, and my, the Channel 4 guys couldn't travel out. So, they they sort of, I'm a stand-in, helping out kind of type of guy. So, not really involved in media at all. Scholar, let's get straight into the the bones of the media. Now, I don't know whether Razzy Erasmus has texted you this week, but he's texted Scoody, so he's obviously looking at the <laughs> stuff that we're doing over here in the UK. What has been made of it? I, look, I know we are going back. Did he go a bit too far, do you think, with it? Are there, or are people loving it? Or were there a few eyebrows raised? Because there's a part of it where there's a stroke of genius now, in hindsight, but when you saw it, I don't know how much you looked at it. I know you love your ruggers and you love going into depth about it. But have you seen it? Did you were you looking at it and been like, "What are you doing, Rassi? Were you been like, "This is genius"? I know what he's doing here. Jim, like when analysing lineouts, you are more focused in the 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 depth of a lineout. Who, who jumps where? For me, it was just about playing the game, and for me, it's it's actually the personalities of our coaches is is part and parcel. The refs are now a personality, uh, not just a, a random guy running around with a whistle. So. I like the build-up. It feels like almost like in the olden days. Now it's like a, a boxing match. All the um, smack talk beforehand, trying to influence the refs. And unfortunately, they make a massive impact on the results of a game. You, we, we would like to think they don't, but they do. If they make bad decisions, then everybody sees it. And if they make good decisions, it's just part and parcel of the game. Um, Stripe of the genius? Um, I do not know. For me, personally, I would like coaches and refs not to be part of 15 guys or 30 guys rather uh, having a proper go at each other. But unfortunately, this is not reality. Um, in hindsight, yes, I'm sitting on the fence. It was a stroke of genius. It did. Uh, did it impact the game? Do you think it impacted the game? Definitely. definitely. I've, <laughs> never, I di- I've never heard. We, we said, we will it be biased? It was almost like the questions he asked was so diplomatic and so structured. And I mean, 
The question was with Vili Ofsad, the try was awarded, he asked, is there any reason not to award the try? I mean, you want a clear and obvious then decision. And I think from both ways, there was been some some very interesting decisions. I mean, Tesla's tackle could have been a card. There's so many things that happened in the game that could have been gone either way. But we're sitting here, this is where I wanted it. One all going to the final, two great teams. I don't think that they, from a strategic point of view, will change anything. They're just going to have the guy that can dominate the advantage line, uh, the tactical kicking, and put the set piece under pressure. That's a team that will win. I do love the way you've gone into the corporate world and the corporate speak is just flowing out of you now, mate. It's brilliant. <laughs> sitting, sitting on the fence when you have to. <laughs> Let's talk about South Africa then as a country at the minute because obviously after week one, there was a lot and it came out in Razzie's video. A lot of fans and players potentially and, and coaches felt that they didn't get the rub of the green. Now I'm sat here in just outside London at the minute and over on this side in the British and Irish Lions aisles, we are feeling that we didn't get the rub of the green this weekend. Are the Springbok players, fans, pundits, yes, South Africa deserved to win that game, hands down, but there were some instances where they got the rub of the green. Are you feeling it that this week, feeling a little bit lucky, or is it all just about performance? Uh, from an unbiased perspective, yes, the first test match, the Lions just played better. The second test match, the Springbok played better. Yes, there was things that could have gone either way, but it didn't. It doesn't help you reminisce or about the past or talk about what should have been and what shouldn't have been. Now it's a third test match. Now the question is how with Dwayne coming back in can we still get the dominance we had in the second test? And the last we say, okay, fine. We we got the, the 50-50s we got wrong from an aerial perspective. They outplayed us and the South Africans will go, we got outplayed in the second half. The first of, uh, I thought this uh, for, of the first test match, the Springboks played well. The second half, they came out that more urgency, more physicality. They dominated South Africa from a set-piece perspective. Mario took it, Elwin Jones, they drove the South Africans that I haven't seen in a very long time. And exactly what happened after the second test match, first off, it was so it was so physical, so niggly, but so boring. Then the second half came out, and everything that, that the Lions did in the first test and the second half to the Springboks, the Springboks are to the Lions in the second test and the second half. Do you think it was boring? Because I'm watching that and we're talking about it as in I loved watching it. Lots of people, Sculler, and we obviously play very similar in terms of footwork and speed <laughs> and all these things off the mark. But I love hey. watching it. I mean, how would you enjoy playing in that? Like, Because that's the way the Springboks play. Is it enjoyable? Or are you thinking, my goodness me, like get it out of the mall? Well, I know you did because you used to break out and people are screaming for you to stay in. Yeah, it, would jump, it was almost the same as you and Kelly Brown. If it was raining and it was wet and it was muddy and you couldn't pass the ball more than uh, twice or you ha- have to kick the leather off the ball, then you were so happy. I yes. want to see running rugby. So saying that is, yes, for the guys that was like that kind of rugby, yes, that was brutal, but the second half was much better. And the same, although I was on the losing side on the first test match, the, the second half was just a better dominance from a or better spectacle, if, you can, if I can say that. Hopefully this weekend, I don't think it will be anything different. It's going to be a bat on the first half. The pitch is tearing up. It's a football pitch, not a rugby pitch. It's hard to get dominance. And it's 
it's weird without crowds as well, Jim. It is really weird, but it's it is what it is. You can hear the battles or the collisions. Um, and I guess same as you guys, when you stand next to the pitch, I'm so glad I've retired. That's one of the things I was going to ask you, actually. You're one of the very privileged few who are inside the stadium for the games at the minute without being part of either the match day squads or um, for, for either team. But what is it like there? Because is it eerie? Um, you know, there has been loads of niggle. There's been, you know, the whole thing with Diolande and, and Mario having his knee on his neck and then Diolande pushing him. Are you seeing that and getting rolled up as a Springbok fan now? Or are you, you've kind of got one foot in each camp because you've got mates from Saracens as well? For me, it, it firstly, going to the match, this was the first, my, the first test match was all, uh, the first game that I've watched after the final at the Rugby World Cup or the Rugby World Cup final against England. And it was, it was just so weird, Andy. Sitting there, you can hear every sound in the stadium. It's a, it's what's a 60, 70, 80 uh, capacity stadium, so it's big. Uh, it's beautiful, but there's no one there. So from that perspective, it's weird. You hear Andy Edwards almost screaming from a defensive perspective. Rassi didn't say anything. I was expecting the water boy to say a lot. And then from that, and it was funny, it's like sort of the the Lions um, non-playing reserves having a proper scream and shout, and then the South Africans having a proper shout. And it's it's, it's just a weird, it's, I, I can't get used to it. It's not in my mindset, in my perception, yes, fantastic that the game's going ahead. Thank you for everyone that's organising it. But it shouldn't be played like this. I, 09, I can still remember that second test match at Loftus with Sea of Red, a lot of Springbok supporters. That's how the game should be played with supporters. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed 
Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. It's interesting you, Skeller, talking about the screaming and shouting because I know you were against that. We'd be whooping and hollering and there'd be shit talk left, right and center. That's basically what I lived for. Um, <laughs> Skeller, how do you think we come out of this in terms of rugby because I know that you're big on the game, right? In terms of everything yeah. that goes with it, the experiences you've just spoken about it then with there being no fans with all these talking points around uh, the way that the games play, the attitude of the players, the grabbing, the pulling, the referees, the kind of social media drama that we're seeing after every lions tour, rugby comes out better, right? And it grows. We saw that in 2009. We saw that after the world cup, you know, it's very different now. How do you think we come out of this? There'll be a lot of talk over here, Sculler, around the Lions, whether there's still a place for the British and Irish Lions in, in what is a real hectic global calendar as it is. What do you feel about it all? Well, firstly, just speaking about the Lions itself, there is definitely a place for the Lions, Jim. It is, firstly, it is something very special. It's, I mean, I never got the opportunity to play against the Lions except for the Barbarians, as you were there. Yes, I was kind of there. How bad was Jim then? <laughs> <laughs> but saying that, Jim, is if I speak to the players, to Dwayne Formelin yesterday, you've got one opportunity probably in your whole career to play against the Lions. And you're very lucky if you can do, do that and then win. So for speaking to, I had a game of golf last weekend with Scott Berger and Jean de Villas, and he said that's, he played four World Cups and the Lions tour was, more special, and you've got 12 years of bragging rights. I think it's a very special team, very special organization, and something that we shouldn't lose. For me personally, I would like to that most of the work or the, the talking should be done on the pitch. I do not like Gatlin getting involved, I do not like Rassi getting involved. I want the teams to almost box it out or fight it out on the pitch, not literally, but by. Uh, strategy by gameplay by physicality and that that's unfortunately what I what I do not like about the last couple of weeks but I felt Gatlin had a pro- proper shot a couple of shots at the ref whereas he probably thought okay well I got one up I'm going to pull all yeah, I mean he's probably only going to have one opportunity to have to play against the Lions again so he said well I'm going to win at all costs and said okay fine I'm going to put pressure on on the rest of Gatlin's doing this. So it's tit for tat kind of thing. That's that's terrible. I'm glad you've said that, Sculler, because you do realise that the likelihood is that me and you are going to be making decisions at world rugby level probably in the next two or three years with the way things are going. <laughs> we are that influential. So I'm glad that you said that there's still a place for the Lions. I'll put that forward. I'll make sure it happens again. Sculler, maybe. He's got the class and the brains. Jim, not so much yourself, mate. Not so much yourself. <laughs> um, one of the things you did mention there, you, sp- you said you spoke to Dwayne Vermeulen uh, yesterday. It's great to see him back fit. Uh, and in yeah. the squad, a uh, bit of an inside track. Is he is he ready to go? Is he just uh, back in the squad as a, as a bit of a pick-me-up for the lads? I know Peter Steftatoy obviously was carrying a shoulder injury. I kind of want you to tell me he is fit, but I also kind of want you to tell me he's not because he's such a great player and it gives the Springboks a massive advantage as well, doesn't it? I think he's just a world-class player and he can't, I mean, he was my roommate uh, for a long time before he started snoring. And then when he started <laughs> snoring, I moved over to Vincent Koch. <laughs> kind of thing, but I mean, the, the people ask, "How do you replace? Um, how do you replace Dwayne? You don't. 
There's certain players in a team during a certain period of his career that is irreplaceable. And Dwayne is currently there that the kind of, how can I say, presence he has in the team is amazing. He's standing next to, ne- next to Sia uh, with a lot of the decisions we're making. Great, great team man. Great for the ethos of the game. And and for me, it, it's, if he's fit and ready, <laughs> he will be a, a, a massive add-on to our, to our group uh, for someone that can carry the ball back from the back uh, win the aerial contest. From the, I, I think from a kicking perspective, we lost the aerial battle in the second half of the first days against the Lions and we got a little bit lucky on the second half, I would say, of the second test match. By that grin, he's fit, yeah. <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> Skella, well, you know the podcast comes out, mate, when um, the team should already be out. So it's fine, mate. You give us a bit of insight. But how do you see the third test going then, mate? Because that is obviously the, what I'm enjoying about it. It is one all. But that second game was a hammering, right, for the Lions, let's be honest, especially that second half. Are you sat, sat back thinking now, it, if everything goes to plan, it should be comfortable for South Africa? Or is there a part of you knowing a lot of these players in the Lions team that they could come back? Jim, it's, it's all part of the bigger plan. You, you know, we, we wanted to give the impression during the World Cup that we lost against New Zealand. We out. Nobody's ever won against uh, a World Cup and they lost the first game. You know, then we went and won the World Cup. We got quite a bit lucky. But hey, and now the same thing with the <laughs> Lions. <test. laughs> That's exactly, we record setters. So I, I, I've got no doubt. So <laughs> humble. Big grin on his face. But he is, like the thing is, he is humble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm only joking. No, it's um, no. I, I think it's going to be once again. Um, I'm going to do what you don't do, and I'm going to say the guy, the team that dominates the set piece and the kicking battle and puts pressure on the game line. That, that, that team will win, and I do hope and believe it will be the Springboks this weekend. Oh, he was nearly fully corporate then, wasn't he? And just sitting on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> He basically said the same as what Gat said. He said that Gat said the same thing in the, in the press conference after. I love how Sculler's diligent in doing all his uh, his research. No, I, 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 funny enough, we've got a French ref this weekend. It's you can manage him the best. Say it, Sculler. Sculler, say it. Let's let's put pressure on them. Let go on. So you don't want the referee to have the the impact, the influence on the game. No, I want the players rather to be the the stars than the refs. I'd love to not be talking about a French referee after the game, whether it goes for the Lions <laughs> or against them, but I, I can't see that happening. We'll hopefully talk about the performance of the players and not the ref afterwards. Well, before we let you go, you played a lot with Jim at Saracens. Any any stories you can tell us? Any insight to give us what he was like in the changing rooms? Long. No, um, um, I, 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 what I can say is a lot of times he, he looked quite scary when playing against him with all the touches and the size and all those kind of things. You know, um, as a rugby player, extremely average. Uh, but as a, but, as a, but as, a, as a person, I love him. You'd take that, Jim, wouldn't you? Oh, no, I'd rather be a shit bloke, but a world-class rugby player, <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> oh, fair play. Oh, fair I, play. I, 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 I must say, I've got a lot of respect for Jim during his almost his final season. He played more um, rugby games during the week 
than on weekends, but he was there every training session. <laughs> Poor old Jim trained a lot, but didn't play much. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm glad, someone else, I'm glad someone else is saying it as well. And I wasn't even Scholar was laughing. I, I, was, I, I was in a lot of pain towards the end. Scholar was coming in. I remember him just coming to the changing room one, one day and just said, Mercy. He just screamed mercy and walked out <laughs> laughing his head off. And I was got into his Porsche, humbly, and I've limped into the Ford Mondeo, absolutely bollocks. So. It's not, it's, and it's not because, and it isn't because he doesn't have the money, but it was just he's so Scottish. That's the only thing that he is Scottish, so stingy. If we go for coffees or beer, he forgot his wallet. Always. What? Oh, Always. come on. I'm, I'm generous. Cheers, Scott. Scott Brooks, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. And uh, best of luck this weekend. Thanks, guys. And uh, may the best team win. <laughs> Springbok. Uh, we Cheers, hope the Scott. best team is the Lions. Cheers, mate. Thanks for coming on. Good to <laughs> Bye, see you, pal. guys. Top bloke. Top lad. Yeah. Wow. What a bloke. How happy? I mean, How happy is he? Uh, He's just, he's basically the polar opposite of you, Jim. Like, I imagine him going into the change room every day with that smile, with that energy, with that positivity in his Porsche, whatever car he's rocked up in, doesn't matter. He's good looking, he's ridiculously talented at rugby. And then he walks into a change room and sees you bent over, moaning about your back, your calf, your kids, absolutely anything. And he's like, life's good. I ain't Jim Hamilton. Life is good, eh? I know. He went and drove his Porsche to training. I, I wondered what he was doing. I thought he was checking the engine every morning. But then I realized that the on a Porsche, that's where the boot is at the front anyway. Blew my mind. <laughs> so he would be coming in, laughing his head off. He'd come into the changing rooms every day with his Ugg slippers on. And I, I was struggling to get my boots on. I was literally trying to bend down and, and flip my boot on. And he was just laughing his head off, screaming mercy. And uh, <laughs> he was right in the end. He was like, you know, it, it's over. Mercy, it's over, Jim. And he was right. <laughs> and I drove off into the sunset. And look, the media brings us all back together. Rugby has a way of doing these things. Is there anyone happier or more positive in world rugby than Scout Brits? The nicest bloke I reckon there is. True. Well, let's talk about selection then. And maybe we change it up this week. I know last couple of weeks you've talked about what you think Warren would pick, what he's going to select the team. Maybe you guys give your opinion on what he should select and what you think should be the team. He's got to make um, a change at hooker, I think. Yeah. It, it, for, for whatever reason, it's not working. Now, as much as I want Cowan Dickey in there, as much as I love Ken Owens, the set piece, and like you need to win nine out of 10 of your lineouts. 90%. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Miss Good. You need to win 90% of your lineouts, right? Because you're not going to get many opportunities against South Africa. By having a strong lineout and a strong scrum builds a foundation. Now, that we didn't have at the weekend. We were lucky in, in the first test. We, we lost a couple of lineouts in the first half. South Africa were rusty. So I think there needs to be a change at hooker, whether or not that means that Jamie George starts, but I think he definitely comes in. Wynn Jones is a big one in the, in the front row. Like, if he's fit, Wynn Jones has got to start. You know, Mako. Okay, he did really well coming off the bench in the first test. But, you know, Sutherland unfortunately got monster in the scrums. He knocked the ball on the front of the line out. You know, Wyn Jones... Gave a penalty away at the, at the line out as well, yeah, which gave them the field side. position. Yeah. Um, you know, Wyn Jones is... You know, people ridiculed you, James, for your tweet back in the Six Nations. Wyn Jones will be the starting loose head in the British and Irish Lions. And he's only not the starting loose head because of his injury. So if he's back, that's a massive plus for us. And, you know, we can definitely hold our own at least at scrum time, which we struggled with in the second test. Yeah, so I think we all agree that there needs to be a couple of changes in the pack. Uh, the back row is an interesting one. Jack Conan, we love him. Will they go with him again or will they go for size with Faletau? Will he be like, look, mate, 
Lupe, I need you, mate. I need the biggest game you've ever had. You've proven it before. You're big. You're on the bench. You've not had a lot of game time. I can see Faletau starting. I don't think he'll change Tom Curry. I just don't think he will. Will he go with a Hamish Watson I just, with him? I don't know because of the, the line out. It, it, it is hard to call. I wouldn't make that many changes. I don't think I'll, I'm going to say. I don't think Alan Wood-Jones played that well, I'll be honest. Again, he was our top tackler. 15 tackles yeah. he made. <laughs> and how many of them top were dominant? Top tackler. I'd how hate. many of them were dominant? But if he ain't making them, who's making them? This is the thing. Well, You're just being horrible now, Jim. I know. So what about Ty, Ty Byrne at six? Yeah, you, like you could say that. But for me, there's, it's much of a muchness between him and Laws. When you're up against who you're up against. So I'd love to sit here and give you some clear... My, my opinions are more in the backs, believe it or not. I think the forwards, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. It comes down to making sure you get your line-out and set-piece right. The scrum was good in Test 1, wasn't great in Test 2. They've got the ability to do it. If they don't, look at the size of South Africa. Pack. You could just be like, look, the South Africa have got a better scrum. They've got the best scrum in world rugby. What can you do? Well, what we can do, if it squirts out the back, we can give the ball to Finn Russell or Marcus Smith. That's where I think... I don't think we want to see scrums. I don't think we want to see lineouts if the Lions are going to win. So it's kind of irrelevant. That's a cop-out, Jim. Like, you're just trying to put it all on the backs when we all know forwards win games and backs decide by how many. So give us your starting pack, Jim. Oh, go on then. Wynn Jones? Yeah, agree. Jamie George? Yeah, agree. Do you? Tide Furlong? Yeah, agree. Marrow? Yeah, agree. Alan Wynn Jones. Ah, you, t- you bottled it. Yeah, you bottled it. Yeah, yeah. See, I've do- I'm, do- I'm doing there what Gats would do. He'd be on an hour in and they'd be like, no, we've got to play him. I'm going to go Ty Burn. Agree. I'm going to go Hamish Watson. Agree. Do you? And I'm going to go Tolupe Falatown. Agree. Yeah. My team. <laughs> my team right there, James. That's my forward pack. That's what I'd go with as well. I'd have Sam Simmons on the bench as well for some oomph. Goody, let's talk about the backs then, mate. Any changes there? Yes. A couple, actually. How many? Um, two or four? I've gone for four. I've gone for one, two, three, four. Boom. I'm going uh, Ali Price at nine. I liked his energy when he got the opportunity in the first test. Uh, obviously got dropped for the second test to the bench for Conor Murray, but didn't add enough ump for me. So Ali Price goes back in at nine. Correct. I want to see if we are aligned at 10. I don't think we will be. I'm sticking with my um, my favourite, Dan Beggar. I'm going to go Owen Farrell at 10. I think he might do that, but I, I don't see it as justified. I think Owens looked good when he's come on. What That's did, why. Okay, what happened at the weekend? We did one kick. Yeah, it wasn't just, it was a good kick. As in, yeah. every time Owens come on, I, f- I felt like he looks like he's he's back, as in a big game player. Not that Bigger isn't, but I, th- I think Bigger's injured. I'll be honest with you. He's obviously, he, he didn't train all week last week. He got blitzed in the back. I know how it feels. He's obviously on the floor. He's trapped a nerve or whatever. He's been hit in the back. Maybe it's and the kidneys. Maybe, maybe he's got big stones. Biggs is my favourite player. I'm saying what I think Gats will do and can understand the reason why. But Andy Rowe didn't ask that. Andy Rowe asked for what you want your team to be, James. Oh, I'll put Finn Russell in then. Oh, okay. Why would you put Finn Russell in there? Because he's my mate. <laughs> 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 but, you, but you said earlier Finn hadn't played there's no form no he hasn't no but I don't get what you're asking are you asking who I, who, I, who I want in if you were head coach who would you pick alright I think if Owen should be starting I've said it I'm sorry okay. so you're going Owen I'm going Dan Bigger again uh, centres I'm going Bundyaki and correct Robbie I've gone that I've gone exactly the same wingers I've gone Josh Adams and Anthony Watson with Liam Williams at fullback yeah huh there we go so we've done the same Who's winning it this weekend, guys? Scoreline, predictions. No sitting oh, on the fence. 
Oh, why being horrible? I'm going Springboks. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm the same as you, Goody. I can't see off the back of that how you can turn it around with such a settled Springbok team who are going to be a week fitter and they're only adding with Vermeulen coming in. Oh, God, I hate saying it. Yeah, it's horrible to say it. You know, in reality, my heart 100% wants the Lions to win and there is belief in that they can do it. You know, Gats has pulled irons out the fire before where, you know, you go back to Australia, he drops O'Driscoll and big things happen. He sets his stall out, picks Jamie Roberts and then Jamie Roberts has a worldie. We win the test and the series. He's got to pull something out of the hat, hasn't he? You know, it's if we go with the same way of playing, we lose. Um, so Gats has got to earn his coin. Now he is the most decorated Lions coach that there ever has been. You know, he's held in such high regard and, and, and the, these are the weeks that sort of define him as to why we are still holding him in that regard and you know he is such a wonderful coach so unfortunately with all saying all that having tried to convince myself I'm still going Springboks by eight (laughs) unfortunately it could be crap it could be a draw imagine that imagine I'm not going to say a draw I desperately want the Lions to win I hope I'm proven wrong I ain't got a clue about life I ain't got a clue about rugby yeah, I am. I don't want to, but I, I am because I'm an expert and I'm giving you my expert opinion. Springboks, but it's going to be closer. It's closer. Springboks by four. We're here to the final test. The guys will be doing a live Ask Udi and Jim video on YouTube and Facebook on Wednesday at 5pm. To join in, just subscribe to the Rugby Pop YouTube channel and tune in on Wednesday to get all your questions answered live ahead of the biggest game of the year. You guys excited for this? Can't wait, pal. Yeah, looking forward to it. Nice. Well, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, there's a few bits of good. We're going to start off in the sevens world. uh, And it was an enthralling tournament, both for the men's and the women's at Tokyo Olympics 2020. And tip of the slipper to the Fijian boys uh, for a pulsating tournament. um, They were outstanding all the way through. Beat New Zealand in the final, uh, fully deservedly. And I just wonder, Gareth Baber, head coach, is he going to get an island now like Ben Ryan did? There we go. Congrats to the Fiji men. Uh, And to the New Zealand Black Ferns, the women's sevens team. Uh, dominated the final as well uh, against France. Fantastic performance by them. Great to see uh, the Sevens game in such fine fettle at the Olympics and got everyone's rugby juices flowing before the Lions at the weekend. Uh, What else was good? We go to America, USA, USA, and specifically Los Angeles. I mean, we follow this. I thought you were going to say Matt Gitto. I thought you were going to say Gitto instead of Los Angeles. It was was more him than the team, but go on. Wow, yeah. Um, You know, we followed it all year, haven't we, really? Just seeing Gitz's life in LA. I mean, what a finish. If that is the end of your career... He's been very wise though, Matt Gitto. He did an interview and he said he doesn't know whether he's finished yet. Someone wants to just chuck in another big contract. He's probably got it left in him. But fair play, the LA Giltinis won the MLR beating Peace Up, A-Town. Atlanta, that is, Jim. Do you remember that song? Peace Up, A-Town, Usher. Yeah, I that was Russia. That's Russia, isn't it? No, no that, was, that was Usher singing it. But yeah, they beat oh. Atlanta 31 points to 17. Matt Gitto man the match. It was also Adam Ashley Cooper's last ever game of rugby. So uh, some way to go out. And I think they're still celebrating now about 24 hours later. So tip the slipper to the LA Guiltinis boys, especially Adam Ashley Cooper. Mentioned to coach Alex Corbisero as well. Another friend of the show, Todd Clever, he's involved there. So uh, hell of a stint from those boys. They take the MLR. They get mentioned the good. Uh, what else is good? Alan Wynne-Jones, James. He gets a mention in the goo this week, much to your disgust probably, but he was a top tackler for the British Irish Lions. I'm not disgust. I want him to do well. Yeah, good. Well, 15 tackles, so he gets a mention in the goo. Um, and then we go to the goo. And I'm, I'm just going to give it collectively to the Springboks, obviously, for their comeback victory. But mention a few things, starting off with their DOR, Director of Rugby, 
not only because he texted me, but Razzie Erasmus, uh, he won the mind games in the build-up to the week with his 62-minute video. Could have been a bit shorter, Razzie, but uh, you stole the show with that one. Uh, Sia Khaleesi, an unbelievable performance. People talk about what does he do well. Just look at his work rate. His try-saving tackle on Henshaw at a crucial time. He was phenomenal for the Springboks. The Springboks scrum domination. Trevor Nayakani, me old tongue. That is the longest tongue in world rugby. I'm just amazed. He's been eating sweeties on the bench. Imagine that licking you. Oh, Jim. Oh, Jim. Which part of me? I don't know. He'd probably lick your kidney stones out with that, I reckon. (laughs) (laughs) Quite possibly. Uh, But hell of an effort. And the box in general, bouncing back. The second half performance was all about physicality, domination, owning the airwaves. Uh, A truly Springbok performance to get themselves back in the series at one all. Uh, So this week, the good goes to the Springboks. The bad, uh, a few bits of bad really. I'm going to start off with the Cape Town pitch. We heard Scout Brits talk about it before. It's cutting up. It's a football pitch. Didn't look good for scrummaging and everything else going on in the game. Some big heavy men on that pitch. So uh, hopefully it recovers this week. It wasn't great at times. Uh, what else was bad? I'm going to say it. The fact that Ches and Colby didn't get a red card gets a mention in the bad this week. Whether it was Ben O'Keefe, whether it was Marius Jonker, whoever didn't make that decision, that's a red card every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Uh, so that gets a mention in the bad. Um, the Lions' attack, or lack of it, gets a mention in the bad this week. 105 metres made from 85 ball carries. That isn't great. Um, so they need to sharpen that up for next week if they're going to try and win the test. But the bad this week goes to the lack of funding. We go back into the Sevens world. For Team GB, we knew they had a load of their funding. In fact, all of their funding stripped out from the Sevens programme in the build-up to the Sevens. Both the men's and the women's teams finished fourth. Uh, and I even saw on an interview that some of the Black Ferns, the New Zealand ladies teams, had donated to the cause to make sure that the GB Olympic women's team could get to the Olympics. So they've battled through COVID, they've battled through absolutely everything as a squad, funded themselves through various different means to get to the Olympics. I think it's a really poor show that we weren't supporting them um, as a game. So uh, the lack of funding and support for the men's and women's GB sevens team is the bad this week. Uh, and the ugly, um, well, there were so many ugly incidents during the game um, that we mentioned earlier on, but the one standout one that we'll wait to see if it's true or not. If it is true, there's obviously enough evidence there to suggest that it could be true. And obviously a sighting is taking place tomorrow. So the ugly this week is going to go to Kyle Sinclair's alleged bite of Mostert's arm. Uh, not a great look. And if it is a bite and a red card, then a long ban is coming. Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Patricia Tim, and thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well and head on over to Spotify and we'll see you all there. Rugby Spot. Spot a pod, 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 pod. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect. 
somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.